Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. It's Let's ride. for the words that are recited before each and every game here at Dodger Stadium. Take it away, Finn. It's time for Dodger Baseball. What's going on, Dodgers fans? Thank you for listening to another episode of the Incline Dodgers podcast. The month of January is almost complete, which means we are very, very close to spring training, just a few weeks away. Kevin Klein here, dropping some awesome content, and Jake and David are out this week, but I am joined by a familiar voice, and that is Chris Camello. Welcome back, Chris. How's everything going for you? Thank you, Kev. It's a pleasure to be on with you. And I, I don't know if this is the right etiquette, but technically happy new year, because I haven't seen you since, uh, I think it was right before new year's Eve. So yeah, happy new year. Hope your 2023 is out to a good start, man. Thanks. Yeah, I guess that's true. And same to you. Uh, feel free to plug your stuff right now if you'd like. For sure. Yeah. Uh, be sure to uh, catch all my stuff. Uh, right now I, I currently, uh, host a co-host a podcast, the outlet form talking NBA, talking Lakers. Uh, right now we're in the middle of a little bit of a relaunch, a uh, little renovation. And, uh, but you can also follow me on my Twitter at Chris underscore Camelo. Uh, I'm, I'm also on Instagram, see Camelo one, and you can follow the podcast at the outlet form on Twitter and Instagram. Awesome. All right, well, let's get started. The Dodgers are making moves. Not exactly big moves, but tiny little pebble moves. We're going to dive into that. We got a number of great listener questions as well. We're going to answer those. And then we're going to talk about the Dodgers prospect and then a few rumors that have been floating around, not free agency wise, but internal. So we're going to get diving into that right now. So those little pebble moves I'm talking about, the Dodgers have signed and invited a number of guys on minor league invites and minor league deals, names that are among that list feature right-handed pitcher Jordan Yamamoto, right-handed reliever Wander Suaro, right-handed pitcher Dylan Covey, another reliever Kevin Gowdy, and then another right-handed reliever Tyler Sire. Hopefully I got that one right. Um, So a bunch of names I just threw out there. Let's break them down. First off, let's start with Jordan Yamamoto. If you're not familiar with him, well, he was one of the big trading blocks to bring Christian Yelich over to Milwaukee, and the Brewers gave him up to Miami, along with a number of other players. As a rookie, he showed some brilliant flashes, ended up finishing with a 446 ERA back in 2018, 2019, but then his career kind of just fell off, and 
didn't appear in 2022 at the major league level. And when the Dodgers invited him over, he expressed a lot of excitement to get his career back on track. Uh, so obviously he would work with Mark Pryor and the Dodgers pitching development staff. Any thoughts on him, Chris? Yeah. So, I mean, this is what the, well, just on a broader view, this is what the Dodgers do, right? This is not, you know, I, I know everyone thinks that they're cost cutting this year to get under the luxury tax threshold. And I'm sure that's, that's what it was. Uh, but when it comes to relievers, we all know that every bullpen, uh, is mercurial in some way. You could go into the season believing, oh, these five or six guys are going to get us over the hump. And it doesn't always work out that way. Injuries happen, ineffectiveness. All of a sudden, guys that you kind of bring up from AAA come out of nowhere and, and just really start to perform. I mean, we've seen the Dodgers do this for years. I mean, uh, go, go back even during the Ned Coletti era, it was like that. So, uh, but in this Andrew Friedman era, he has not really wanted to overpay for high price relievers. He, it's always been about, can a guy come in and fit in with the role? And we could list a whole laundry uh, list of guys that have done that, especially recently, Evan Phillips, Yancy Almonte, uh, Bruce Gratterall, Daniel Hudson. I mean, ju just to name a few through the years. And a lot of guys, even if they didn't have a lot of success with the Dodgers, they were able to kind of fix whatever was wrong with them and really go on and perform elsewhere sometimes. Sometimes they don't, but sometimes they do. So I think all of these guys that you just mentioned uh, are going to be like those flyer guys. Let's see what these guys can do because we'll have some spots available. So I, I like the Yamamoto pickup. If a guy had success once before, we put him in the hands of Pryor and Josh Bard, maybe we, maybe they could do it again. Yeah, right there with you. He's still relatively young as well. He's only 26. He's not the flying Hawaiian because Victorino has that nickname, but he's he could be some type of Hawaiian eventually. The Dodgers need minor league depth regardless in AAA, so he can at least provide starting there. And who knows, maybe during the dog days of summer, they have to play a doubleheader or something, and they call up a guy like Yamamoto to do a spot start. So I actually think he has a good chance of holding on and eventually making it back to the major league level. Wander Suaro is interesting because this guy actually was a part of the Nationals 2019 title run. Uh, had a respectable 454 ERA, wasn't one of their highest leverage arms, but was part of that run. I think the closest comparison that we could get to Suaro if he gets right is maybe the Reyes Maranta of 2023. Hmm. Interesting. Guy, yeah. Yeah. Guy that's not going to be great, but could it potentially eat those like bad innings that you just got to get them done? You don't want to use your best relievers. That could be Suaro. Uh, Dylan Covey. They, they just signed him today. I don't know if it's officially agreed to, but that's the report. And we're recording on Friday, the 27th of January. 31-year-old from the LA area has had nothing but failures, unfortunately, at the major league level. 651, 657 career ERA. So I don't know what to make of him. Kevin Gowdy was a second-round pick by the Phillies, another guy that's just struggled throughout the course of his career, both uh, especially at the minor league level. 990 ERA in the minors mm. last season, but you never know. Sometimes you get your occasional Phil Bickford who just didn't work out in a number of organizations and then finds the right fit. He's from the Santa Barbara area as well. Not that that means much, but maybe that local fire just ignites him. And then actually I saved the best for last, in my opinion, I think this could be the guy who has the biggest impact for the Dodgers this upcoming season with Tyler Sire, who pitched at the major league level, not much, 13 innings with the Oakland Athletics, posted a 270 ERA, which is pretty solid. Mm -hmm. the, the whip a little high, 
1.2, but I think there were some highlights out there of him Kang, Mike Trout, and Otani. So the guy has some stuff. Fastball floating around the 94-mile-per-hour range, throws a cutter, and offers a changeup that he throws about a third of the time. So pitcher that I guess you could compare him to potentially since they lost him in free agency, Tommy Canely, a guy mm. who threw a fastball and a changeup. Yeah, I, I I think that's definitely the one that uh, might stand out. I mean, I I like Wander Swar uh Wander Suero. Uh, I believe that's how you pronounce his name. Uh, yeah, I remember him from those Washington days. So yeah, he wasn't a big part of that title run in 2019, but he was a guy that was available uh in that in that bullpen for for DC. So uh, it's once again, uh, Kev, it it's a plethora of low leverage guys. Low risk, potentially high reward. Let's see what these guys can do. We got to fill out our spring training roster. Can any of these guys at least be serviceable? I don't like how you said that at the minor league level. That way, if we do need them because of injuries, because we want to give guys a, a rest. And we know the Dodger bullpen was slammed hard last year from injuries from Blake Trinan to Almonte to Canely. Uh, really, the, the one guy that I wish that I'm sure everyone in LA wish got injured didn't. And Craig Kimbrell, he was actually. <laughs> This may no, this may sound funny. He was actually a stabilizing force for the Dodgers as yep. far as the ninth inning. And then Dave was able to kind of mix and match in that bridge from six, seven, and eight. It's so true. I yeah, so I like all these guys, but the thing about it is their bullpen is already, even with the losses that they've already had and some of the injuries, they've already got I could you can make the argument about seven or eight guys good to go. So where these guys are gonna come in is can we kind of sneak up on everyone? If we show out in AAA, can Dave and, and, and Friedman call us up so we could have a more substantial role? Or two, like you said, the uh, the dog days of August because of injuries or whatnot, now it's more of a necessity. So I, I'm really in, intrigued by all these guys, and and hopefully they, they could all, you know, Sir and Suaro, Yamamoto, Covey, I'm not too sure about. I know he was a Rule 5 pick, but I, I really think uh, some of these guys are one of them. If one of them could be somewhat consistent, you may have something here. Yeah, and odds are one of them are going to pan out just a year ago, Yancy Almonte was one of these guys. They yeah. signed him on a minor league deal, made the majors, one of their best high leverage arms. Reyes Maranta, same thing. Wasn't a great high leverage reliever, but he ate a number of innings for the Dodgers. And you just need guys that are can that have the ability to eat innings because not every inning at the pro level is going to matter. There's going to be eight to nothing scores, whether you're up or down. You just need guys to go out there, keep the real top arms fresh, All right. and take one for the team. Um. Yeah, so I feel like we've covered all those signings. I There was something else I was going to say. Oh, yeah. Another reliever that got injured in that list includes Daniel Hudson. And yeah. really excited for him to be coming back this season because I feel like leading up to his injury, he was the Dodgers' best reliever. And I think if he had stayed healthy, he probably would have stolen the closer job from Craig Kimbrell. Well, hold on. Uh, not speaking of stolen, you stole a nickname – for him. You stole the nickname, the mailman from Carl Malone of the Utah jazz hall of fame player and gave that moniker uh, to Dan Hudson. And to be quite honest, I can't hate on that because guess what? I did the same thing. Trey Turner became the ice trade. No disrespect to Trey young of the Atlanta Hawks, but Trey Turner had a lot of those burr it's cold in here type moments. So yeah, I totally get that. But yeah, I uh, going back to, to Hudson, looking forward to seeing what he could do on that, on that surgically repaired uh, right knee that he, uh, he tore the ACL. I believe it was in Atlanta back in June. That could be a major X factor for them, especially as they're figuring out the closer situation. The rest of these guys basically get in where you can fit in. Yeah. We might talk about Daniel Hudson a little more in this episode later, 
And yeah, he tore his ACL against the Braves. I believe Ronald Acuna Jr. was the batter. The Dodgers have a elite amount of prospects. The MLB pipeline came out and provided an update. The Dodgers have seven prospects in the top 100 featuring Diego Cartaya at 14, Bobby Miller, 24, Miguel Vargas sitting at 37, Michael mm. Bush, 54, Gavin Stone, 56, Ryan Pepio, 70, and Andy Pages, 81. So, Chris, I'm going to ask this question to you. Of these prospects I just named, which of them do you think will have the biggest impact in 2023? On the surface, it would be easy to say Cartaya. You know, uh, I know we're going to get into Will Smith a little bit later on, and he's got that catcher situation already sewn up for now. But then I look at a team like the Atlanta Braves. Last year with Darno and William Contreras, whoever wasn't starting was DHing and, and vice versa. However, the Dodgers don't necessarily have that luxury this year with J.D. Martinez likely to be the DH 90 to 95% of the season, depending on off days and whatnot. So I'm going to go with Bobby Miller. Uh, we know right now the Dodgers don't have a bad rotation. Urias, Kershaw, May, Tony G, and and hopefully Syndergaard. Is, and if all those guys are healthy, it's a very good rotation. And I think Thor is going to have a really solid year. I think May is going to bounce back. May was good. It just the last month of the season, he didn't quite get – I don't know what happened with his rhythm. It was weird. Like you would, you would think he would start off slow and then end strong, and it was the other way around. He started strong and ended slow. So I think now – he could focus on some things, whatever was plaguing him the last couple months of the season, he could fix and get going. So Bobby Miller, though, could along and I'm going to throw another guy in there. Pepio could have substantial roles in this rotation, considering Kershaw won't finish uh, be, be healthy the whole season. Some of these other guys won't be healthy the whole season. So I could see Bobby Miller really having the biggest impact. But then again, given the concerns at the infield position, I wouldn't put it past Michael Bush either to be one of those guys or even Miguel Vargas. All right. I have a different answer than you because you, you just mentioned his name, but you didn't really dive into him. I think of these guys I just named Miguel Vargas probably has the best potential for this upcoming season to have the biggest impact. Theoretically, he should provide the Dodgers the most at bats of all these players. It sounds like they're giving him the starting job one way or another, whether it's going to be at third base or second base. Maybe he plays a little bit of outfield as well. But he only got a little taste of the majors last season. Came off a little cold, but I feel like towards the end of the season, he was just starting to hit his stride. He just didn't get the consistent at-bats. He made the postseason roster. So I think I'm going to give my vote to Vargas. I'm really excited to see what he's going to do this spring training. And then focusing in on the pitchers, obviously Bobby Miller is the highest on these. But now some people are thinking that maybe Gavin Stone could be the better of the two. That is a question that remains to be seen. But I think of those guys that I just mentioned on the list, I think Ryan Pepio is actually going to eat the most innings. Yeah. He's already on the 40-man roster. They used him for five or six starts, I think, last season. The only thing that really boggled him down was control. And the stuff was there. Mm -hmm. We've seen this time after time with a lot of first-year pitchers that get their first taste of the majors. The stuff is there. They just don't have the control. I think that when he gets this full opportunity now to report in February and have a full spring training with the Dodgers coaching staff, the uh, players and all that as well, I would think that this is going to be a big confidence booster for him knowing that at this point in his career, he's not really, he's not fighting to be on the 40 man roster. It's more like he's fighting for a rotation spot and it could potentially just be one of his spots to lose. 
Oh, I, I agree wholeheartedly. I know a lot of people were kind of disappointed with him, but it's like, you, you have to account for this. And we saw this early in Clayton Kershaw's career. A lot of these guys come in and they struggle. The one thing that they struggle with is efficiency and command where it's like, can you give us five or six innings with under a hundred pitches? That's the thing. Can you get quick outs? Because not everything has to be a strikeout. Put the ball in play. What did, what did Crash Davis say in, in, uh, uh, in Bull Durham? Hey, throw some ground ball. It, it throws some ground balls. It's more democratic, you know, strikeouts are fascist. So that's, that's what some of these minor leaguers like Pepe will have to have to have in mind. It's okay to pitch to contact. It's yeah. not the end of the world. You know, if you get guys on base, let it be because of base hits, not because of walks. You don't want to issue free passes, especially in today's MLB when it comes to, um, you know, uh, guys working counts more and fighting off pitches. So you have to be in a position where you can get those quick outs. And I think if he can do that, if you can come to that mindset, that's going to be huge for Ryan Pepio coming into this year. So he's going to be a major X factor. Right on board with you. Shifting gears, couple extensions floating out there uh, that I know fans would love to see get done. One of them that the daughters haven't tackled yet. The other one, they're a little bit more vague, but they were trying to attempt something. But first, we'll start with Will Smith. There's been a number of articles out there. I know other podcasts are talking about it. We're kind of getting to that time with Will Smith where what's his future with the daughters going to be? Is he going to be the long-term catcher? If not, do they have to trade him? Do they let him walk in free agency? I think he's got two years left on his deal, maybe three. Maybe three. Yeah, do the Dodgers buy out those arbitration years and give them an extension, or are they just going to let this ride out? So I was quoted on a Dodgers Way fan cited article with my thoughts on Will Smith, but I'll let this go to you, Chris, to start. Yeah, to be quite honest, good hitting catchers is hard to come by. And I think Will has not only proven to be a very good hitter, especially in clutch moments, but each year he's gotten better defensively. Uh, and more importantly, given all the different pitchers the Dodgers have traded for, called up, signed, he has done a fantastic job of game calling and putting those guys, including Clayton Kershaw, in the best position to be successful. So I think that's one of the areas that really gets overlooked about his game. People want to say, well, what about the pass balls? What about this? What about that? You know what I mean? And yeah, he's had some goofs along the way. No question about it. You could even go back to the World Series in 2020 in that game four. Granted, that wasn't all on him, but that was still an iconic screw up that could have really changed the whole trajectory of that series. But ultimately this is a top three catcher in all of baseball. And that's not a hot take. A lot of these other guys like Gary Sanchez, they've fallen off really the, 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 he's part of the handful of guys that you could say has been consistent, consistent, consistent. And I think even if they don't buy out those years and give those, uh, because other guys are due up before him, Urias, who we're going to get to in a second is up before him. I think Walker Bueller is up before him. So I would say write it out for now because you can, unless of course you're like, you know what? We need this guy here and, and, you know, uh, for, for the foreseeable future. Now there's one caveat to this Diego Cartaya. So if Smith struggles this year and Cartaya gets called up and he starts to produce now it kind of puts the Dodgers in a little bit of a funky position, but more than likely, I think the future is they're going to find a way to feature both of them, Smith and Cartaya, because of the universal DH, it gives you that flexibility where it's like, why can't how, why, why can't we have both of these guys at this point? So I think that's where it's going to be leaning toward as of right now. I don't give Smith the extension. I give it to him two years from now. Okay. So I have a little bit of a different take at this point. If you got to ride out Will Smith for at least this season, he's going to be the everyday catcher. 
Diego Cartaya is getting his first cracks at the double A level, I believe. But I think he's going to get white hot and probably make it to triple A. And one of my bold takes that I'll just throw it out there now. I think Diego Cartaya could potentially make the roster as a September call up. If he's just doing nothing but hitting, I don't see why not. There's a reason he's the 14th best prospect in Major League Baseball and the Dodgers' number one prospect. So I have full confidence in him. But when going back to Will Smith, I wouldn't offer him an extension. Right now, the market, I believe, has been set by Wilson Contreras. So we're looking Mm -hmm. at five years, 88 million. Will Smith is a better catcher than Contreras. So he'd probably get five years closer to 100 million. And younger. And younger, yes. Even though he hasn't made an all-star team, like you said, most people view him as a top three catcher regardless. I think MLB's shredder ranked him second. He's like right behind JT Real Muto. And then you got Sean Murphy and the great catcher for the Orioles. Those are all the top ones right now. But yeah, we're talking about a guy as a catcher in four years who hit 261, 356 on base, 501 slugging, 72 career home runs. But it gets tough because if Diego Cartaya is as good as he's projected to be, then this offseason, the Dodgers have to ask themselves, what do they do with Will Smith? Because I don't think the DH is going to be there for him because I am one of the first to say, I think they're going all in on Shohei Otani. So then, so then you got to ask yourself, you can't split Cartaya and Smith. It just wouldn't make sense. I think third base, which could have been an, a fallback for Smith, I think that's going to be Vargas's spot. So maybe you would just have to trade Smith while his value is still high and you get better pieces to fill other needs. Cartaya is not proven though. That's, that's a risky move. I, it's a bold well, I'm take. Saying, Kev, he's got to prove I, himself. He's got to Kev, prove himself. Kev, I like where you're going. I like where, where you're going, but Smith in a short time has quickly ascended, even without making the all-star team as an elite catcher in this game and to give up on that. Now, granted, I agree with you. The Otani aspect of it and the Cartaya aspect of it makes this a very unique and somewhat complex situation. However, that is a very difficult call. And worse comes to worse. We saw that they were willing to part ways with Kiebert Ruiz uh, in order to get both Max Scherzer and Trey Turner at the time, as well as Josiah Gray. But uh, getting a really good catcher is tough. However, yeah. and you just had him on your show, uh, Stallings, uh, I believe, is it, oh, is it Jared Dalton Stallings? Ru- Dalton oh, Rushing. Oh, I'm sorry. Did I, I'm sorry. St- Stallings, I just saw his name on MLB Network. He's he's in Miami. You know, this is, uh, yes, uh, from Louisville. What was his name again? I'm sorry. Dalton Rushing. Dalton Rushing. So that's another good catcher that they now have in the pipeline. So, you know, you can only have so many of these catchers, right? We saw right. it at one point in time, they had four Smith, Cartaya, Ruiz, and Connor Wong were all, were all in the Dodgers system. And you could only do so much. You can only have a plethora out of position for, for so long, unless of course it's pitching. This I think will come down to production, staying healthy and, and all of those other things. And if there's an opportunity to land Otani, who probably won't stay with the angels, and Angels will likely consider shopping him come the July trade deadline. Now it gets into a situation where it's like, do we want to mortgage the farm to get Otani and set ourselves up to have the edge before free agency next winter? It's a very tough call. Safe route, keep Smith, keep Cartaya. We'll address Otani at a different time. Makes sense. Yeah, I mean, I agree with you. And I guess the better way for me to phrase it, it's not Smith or it's not Smith or no matter like it's not Smith and he's gone. It's the Dodgers in a year, potentially if Otani isn't dealt or available at the deadline and they're able to get him in free agency. I think then if Cartaya proved himself at the minor league level, they have to decide, is it Cartaya we want to keep 
or Smith we want to keep. You can't keep them both at the yeah, end because the they're too they're both too young. Yeah. To keep both. Yeah. Yeah. They're gonna want to start. Yeah. I got you. Exactly. Yeah. Cool. We'll take a quick break right here to talk about TickPick. I don't know if any of you guys are fed up with any of those other ticket websites out there, but once I was turned on to TickPick, I haven't looked back. And you download that app right away. You can save 10 bucks by using the promo code INCLINE off your first purchase of $49 or more. Download TickPick, find the tickets you want to your favorite concerts, sporting events, you name it over at TickPick. So no service fees at checkout. That's another huge feature offered at TickPick. So download the app, save some money, go watch your favorite events right now. Proud supporter of the Incline Dodgers podcast. All right, so Julio Arias is coming up on his final year with the Dodgers, and then he is a potential free agent. From what we've heard from the Dodgers front office, they have at least tried to reach Scott Boris and work out an extension, but they fully understand that Julio Urias is in a, a great position to land himself a massive contract. We don't even know what the number could be yet, but it's got to be more than what Carlos Rodon got. A guy that's as young as Urias, I think he could be able to sign an eight-year contract, potentially $30 million annually, so that'd be 240 total. I mean, Garrett Cole got 300 million or over 300 million. I would love for the Dodgers to be able to work out an extension with Urias. I think that he is worth retaining, but given the fact that his agent is Scott Boris and isn't going to likely give in, it just doesn't seem likely that an extension is going to happen. And we're going to just have to kind of enjoy the moment this season with Urias and address it in the off season. Once again, uh, El Colici, man. Uh, I, I don't know if I could phrase in anything. The only reason or one of the big reasons why the Dodgers won a World Series in 2020 was because of Urias. As a starter, as a reliever, he has done it all for them. He has performed well on, on the biggest stage. Uh, on the biggest stages, he's really established himself as an as an ace in this rotation. Uh, you could even say he's kind of shared that burden the last couple of years with Walker Bueller. And now with Bueller injured and trying to recover from Tommy John, the second of his career, it's really Odias's game. He's got the ball. He is driving that bus right now. So I would love to keep him because it never mind the stuff. We we know that he could he can strike out 11 over 6 innings or anything like that. We know uh he has been a big part of this rotation, but he's got the edge, he's got the fire, he's got that mentality that makes you know almost like a Josh Beckett, Kurt Schilling type mentality, Randy Johnson go out and try to hit this. And and that's hard to find. And I just love that mentality about him and he's been, you know, I mean not just a big part of this organization, Kev, a big part of the LA community because a big part of the Dodger fan base is of Latin descent, man. Latino, Latina, you know, Mexicano. They they love Urias. They could identify with him. Now, I'm not saying he's at the level that, that Fernando Valenzuela was back in the early 80s, but still, it's like he is beloved. And not just the Latin fan base, but all the fan, all, all the fans love him because this dude is just a hard worker. Uh, yeah, he was a once highly touted prospect, but he lived up to the hype and he yep. overcame the shoulder problems, the elbow problems. So I would love to see him in Dodger blue, but yes, there is a business aspect of it. There is a Scott Boris factor. There is the Otani factor. So a lot going on there, but it wouldn't shock me if he decides to leave, but I think seven or eight years at about 25, 26 annually might be enough to get it done to me. Yeah, maybe if I'm not mistaken, he's still only 26, I think too. Yeah. Relatively young. I think that one, 
he's going to have a lot of suitors. Would not shock me if the Mets are very aggressive in on Urias. I, it's going to really be a Otani and Urias. Those are the top two free agents, I think, in my mind. And the Dodgers are going to be linked to both one way or another. For sure. Um, yeah. All right, let's get to some cool questions. First up, coming from at Catch the Blues on Twitter. He would like us to give some fantasy baseball picks. One sleeper, one stud, and one bust. So I don't know if you play any fantasy baseball, Chris. I do. I just took but... third last year. Yeah. <laughs> All right, I'll throw out my picks first as you think about it. Um, mm. So for a stud, I'm actually going to go with Ronald Acuna Jr. Mm. Spoiler alert, I would bet on him to win NL MVP this season. Kind of has tailed off, but I think this is going to be a big season from Acuna. Uh, a sleeper, so I'll give you two. Corey Seager, more like a, I think you can get him in round three or round four. I would call that a sleeper. I think he could be the AL MVP this upcoming season, but more of a deeper sleeper. Why not Dustin May? I think he's going in the 200s right now. This could be a top 15 pitcher after this season. And a bust. I'm going with George Springer. Mm. Kind of been falling off. And I don't think he stays healthy too often these days. And I got one more, but I'll, I'll save it in case you're going to say him. So go ahead. <laughs> well, yeah, they kind of caught me off guard on this question, man. That's a, that's a tough one. So many players to, to kind of filter through. Um, I want to say a, a good stud that you could always, you can't go wrong with. And I don't think changing teams is going to be uh, an issue for him. I got to go with Trey Turner. Uh, just signed an 11 year deal, 300. I think it was 300 even right to, yep. to go to Philadelphia. Yeah. So I think, especially given the fact that Bryce Harper is going to be out, he's either going to be lead off or he's going to be in the three hole. I, I really think wherever Harper was in that lineup, I could definitely see Turner kind of doing what he did with the Dodgers, where he's going to be going from either lead off to third in that sort of order, depending on need. And not only is he a guy that can give you stolen bases and batting average, but I think the power production that he showed with the Dodgers, it's going to carry over in a, in a definitely a more hitter friendly ballpark like citizens bank, not to mention he's very familiar with that division being with the nationals and everything like that. So that is my stud bust. I'm going to go with Xander Bogarts. I don't think Bogarts is going to really have the type of impact uh, that he had in Boston. I could definitely see him, you know, really struggling at times. Uh, I mean, granted, he's going to be surrounded by a lot of good hitters where they can kind of put him in a position where it's going to be hard to pitch around him. But I could definitely see a guy like that uh, being a bust. As far as a sleeper, I like the Dustin May one. I think another Dodger, Noah Syndergaard. I just mentioned him. I think one year after Tommy John, he was solid. He was pretty good. Yeah. All things considered. I mean, you know, coming back, it's never easy shaking off the rust. I don't think the guy had pitched. It felt like for two years. So I think now that he's got a year under his belt, he's not rehabbing. He's not going through any PT physical therapy. Now he could just focus on getting better, getting his, his body, right. Getting that arm strength up. I think that could really be a nice pickup. And uh, I think another good piece, I'm going to go with Miami here. Arias. I think that's going to be another really good. I don't know if you want to call him a sleeper, but I think he's going to do well in Miami. For sure. Such a bad trade for the Marlins though. What are they doing? They gave yeah. up, they gave up Pablo Lopez and top prospects for him. Yeah. What are you By the doing, way, I, I, and that brings me to the twins. Keep an eye on some of those guys, because if this does not work out with Minnesota and chances are it might not Detroit's kind of on the come up a little bit. You got Chicago who's pretty good. I know, I know Chicago lost some key pieces. They lost their former MVP and Jose Abreu. 
Um, yeah. that, that division is what it is. And I think the twins think they might have a shot, but if they drop off, watch out for Sonny Gray and Tyler Molly. These could be guys that could become available and the Dodgers with this plethora of prospects and not enough positions to get everyone. If it doesn't work out in this rotation or they get demolished by injuries, watch out for Sonny Gray. I think this would be the time to get them. Could very well happen. I don't think the Tigers are coming up at all though. They didn't do anything this off season. One name that I actually could see get moved at the deadline is Javier Baez because he's kind of disappeared with the Tigers. Like you almost forget he's at the major leagues, but yeah. he's there and he he could be a, a sexy option for a team trying to compete that needs a shortstop. Um, and then the other guy that I want to just say is fantasy gonna... wise. He'll give you the, Oh, sorry. Uh, he's the kind of fantasy guy. It goes one for four with a home run. That's yeah. the agonizing part. And then the other times, Oh, for three, Oh, for four, two strikeouts, three strikeouts, very frustrating fantasy player. So I agree with you on that. Sorry. Just had to throw that in there. I would stay away from Jose Altuve as well. I think he's on the decline. This is a guy that used to give you tons of stolen bases. He was Batting bad. In the... Yeah. He was bad in the postseason. Mm. from Dodge 16 underscore 12. What is your guy's all-time favorite movie? <laughs> wow. Um, I, just sports sports movie or no, movie in general? Any, anything. Oh, man. I, I got to go with a – it's a toss-up for me between two two Scorsese movies, Goodfellas and Casino. Uh, that, that's uh, that's up there for me. Godfather 2 is up there for me. So any of the mob movies are are great. If, I were, if we're going to go comedy, got to go with Step Brothers or Talladega Nights or, or movies like that. Major League. Give, forget about the curveball, Ricky. Give him the heater. <laughs> what about what about you, Kev? For the longest time, my favorite movie slash comedy was Dumb and Dumber. But I think more recently, my favorite all-time movie, maybe it's a hot take, but The Social Network. Hmm, I think one. from start to finish, it just has it all. The acting, the David Fincher directing, the Trent Reznor score, mm-hmm. the writing from Sorkin. Great movie. Flip 2J is asking us right now. He only has a Mookie Betts jersey, but he wants us to debate who is another Dodgers player he should get a jersey of and what type of uniform color would it be like the road or home or any alternative, I guess. Yeah, that's a that's a great question. I you can't really go wrong with Clayton Kershaw. The guy's a Dodger legend. He's a baseball legend. If he were to retire tomorrow, I think we could all agree. You know, if he if he were to retire on Saturday, he's in the Hall of Fame by Sunday. That's that's how great of a career Clayton Kershaw has had. And it's always nice to to represent the legends. You can't really go wrong with Freddie Freeman either. He came off a fantastic first year with the Dodgers amidst you know, going through changing of teams and whatnot. Those, those would be the two really good ones for me. What, what do you think Kev? Oh, and by the way, they both got to be in the blue, not the white, not the, the gray. They got to be in the alternate spring training blue with the white pants. <laughs> All right. The uniforms, I wish they would freaking put up there, except the, instead of those stupid blue pajamas that you're always criticizing on Twitter, Kev. Those are hideous. They need to die. Um, if you're going to buy a jersey, in my opinion, you got to buy the classic home white. You just can't go wrong with it. I don't really understand why fans buy the road gray one. I just like mm. why you want to show up looking like you're a road fan at Dodger Stadium. Maybe it makes more sense if you live outside of L.A. or something and you're visiting them at an away club. Then you kind of fit in. Yeah. But yeah, you said the guy was going to go with Freddie Freeman. He's still here for five more years and excellent first season. 
with the shift going away, he might win the batting title this season. He was mm-hmm. really close this past season. He was what did he get the 200 hits? He might have been one away. I can't really remember. It's it's a black. Yeah, and he but... finished just behind Jeff McNeil for batting yep, champion. Exactly. Yeah. He just lost it like the final few weeks, but for a while he was so close. I think he's gonna do it this season. So I'd go with Freddie Freeman. Gorilla Golf One asking the show here. How long of a leash do you think Gavin Lux will get? Uh, at shortstop or just in general? I guess in general. There in is- general, in, in yeah. general, I think he'll get a pretty long leash. I don't see him starting the season at shortstop. I'm sorry. Uh, I could be wrong on that. I think they're going to see what they've got at spring training. I think he'll get more starts at, at, at shortstop. But at the same point in time, the fact that you got Miguel Rojas lurking in the shadows, obviously you still have Chris Taylor. Um, although I still think Chris Taylor, his role this year is going to likely be center field because I'm not sure about the James Outman situation yet. And oh, you we'll got Trace Thompson. Yeah. I'm just, I'm telling you what I think, Kev, I'm not Nostradamus. I'm some guy. Uh, <laughs> uh, what, what do they say in uh, Joe dirt? We're just an Indian and some guy. <laughs> I, I am Joe dirt in that scene. Uh, but yeah, going back, going back to that, um, uh, yeah, I, I think Gavin Lux will probably get the first few months over, you know, I would say April and May. They're going to see what they got. They're going to see how well he looks, how comfortable he is. Um, the fact that he doesn't have to worry about starting in the outfield at all and you can just focus on second and short, that's going to be big. But I would say at least two months before they start saying, okay, what do we got here? Is this a problem or is this on the up and up? Your thoughts? Yeah, my thoughts are if Miguel Rojas wasn't coming off wrist surgery because he just said he's still about two weeks away from swinging a bat, I would think he'd have a better shot of being the everyday shortstop, but I just don't know. He might be coming out of the gates a little slow, but I certainly trust him more defensively. But I think Gavin Lux, as long as he can stay healthy, because he seems to get naggered by injuries usually near the end of the season, he's got to stay healthy. He can, he's got to continue to show the consistency at the plate. But very long leash. He's basically a vet at this point. He's been up since 2019, or that's like this. This will be like his fifth season now. So very long leash. Probably will start the majority at shortstop. I think I talked about this last week, but it's not going to be an, a dominant majority. It might be 50, percent and then the other 50 is split among Chris Taylor and Miguel Rojas. He had a second question. Do you think with the shift gone, players like Max Muncy are going to just break out? Yeah, I, I think Max is going to be uh, – I think Max and Chris Taylor are going to be two major X factors offensively this year. Both are coming off a tough years. The only difference was Max actually rebounded uh, from the second half on, specifically in August. I thought he was really starting to bust out of his shell, not to mention he carried that over into October. You can make the argument him – Freeman and Trey Turner were the best hitters uh, in that Dodger lineup where a lot of guys, including Mookie Betts, struggled. So I'm looking forward to seeing what Max can do. And not to mention, I thought he played valiantly at third base. This was not a a position he, first of all, a position that he liked. He always said, I hate playing third base. And second, it wasn't a position that even started the season playing. He was over at second base. He moves over to third and was really, really solid. So I'm looking forward to seeing what he could do, not just uh, without the shift, but just being healthy and now knowing I am going to likely be the everyday third baseman. And, and now I don't have to worry about this elbow. I can get back to being who I was the previous couple of years. Yeah, no doubt. I think with the healthy Max Muncy, he'll probably have batting average numbers close to his 2018 and 2019 season. 
I think just for a player like him, it's not so much that you have to worry about hitting into the shift, but just cutting down on the strikeouts. And given the fact that he's healthy, you would expect the eye has always been there, but he did swing and miss at a lot of pitches last season in the zone. I think that's going to be corrected this season. So we should see a great comeback season from Max Muncie. Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you. With professional-grade industrial supplies, count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. We got some breaking news here on the Incline Dodgers podcast. Former Los Angeles Dodgers legend has found a new home, and I'm referring to left-handed pitcher Danny Duffy signing a minor league deal with the Texas Rangers. Dodger legend right there man oh man yeah uh let's see so many great memories there was uh you know if you if if you were a fan of the Oklahoma City Dodgers uh and you know you were watching those those games you got to see them a lot but uh us here in LA really never got uh, really never got to see him and I was so disappointed Kev because I really had not high expectations, but I thought this guy could have been a difference maker as like a, uh, a poor man's Julio Arias. And now he goes to Texas. And I got to say uh, that all injury prone pitching staff. I, all I have to say to the training staff is all hands on deck between DeGrom, <laughs> Haney, Eovaldi, and now, uh, and, and now Danny John Duffy. Gray too. John Gray too. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think the only guy that's going to probably stay healthy is Martin Perez, but uh, yeah, no, they're, they're taking a big chance, but you know what though? I got to say this for Texas. If those guys are healthy, they'll have probably a top six, top seven rotation in that American league. But it, once again, can they stay healthy? That's the biggest question. And for Duffy, he goes into a situation where it's like, Hey, if you're healthy, can you put, can you pitch? I mean, yeah. it doesn't matter if you're average, just be on the field. Yeah, I remember when they resigned him and we were told he's coming back in June and we're like, "Uh-huh, sure you sure you are." And then I was like, "Okay, 
starting to get hyped. Like, okay, he'll be back in September. Nope. Fooled me again. So he moves on. Cole Hamels is thrown for teams. Apparently he's feeling really good about himself. Hopefully the Dodgers were not in attendance for that because I don't <laughs> want to pay him another million bucks to not play for us. No. 2021, man. What a year. My goodness. All injury central, man. Uh, but this is once again, this is the price you pay though. We talk about the good things about shopping at Ross or the swap meet or, you know, the, the local thrift shop, but this is also the side effect. This is the downside is these guys are either not healthy, very much always injury prone, or even after all of that, they just stink. <laughs> I mean, that's just <laughs> what it comes down to. <laughs> couple more questions to answer for our listeners eric 42 underscore what can mlb do to gain more viewers his idea would be like a that formula formula one documentary series on netflix do something like that with mlb to get people more hyped yeah eric uh i think having i think to be quite honest having more sports type documentaries uh, we've seen the Lakers do this a lot in, in recent years. Obviously they got the dramatization winning time on HBO max and Jeannie just launched her 10 part, uh, history of the Lakers talking about, uh, the, the bus family and, and the Lakers rise to fame. You got to have more stuff like that. You know, I think if the Yankees did something like it or, you know, the Red Sox or something along those lines that may generate some more interest, but it's tough, man. You know, the game moves really slow. Uh, there, there's a lot more competition, NFL and NBA know how to reach the younger viewer. MLB hasn't really done that much yet, you know, and I'd like to see these guys interview more on podcasts. That's the other thing. You're, you always see NBA players, NFL players doing podcasts. You don't see it much on the MLB side. I think that could be another thing. What, what do you think? It's a tough question to answer though. Yeah, I'm kind of with Eric. I think if more teams were able to get a better public viewing of behind the scenes. So we'd have to get them on Fox and ESPN where we get like some, or maybe HBO where we get some behind the scenes looks and just get to see more of these players personalities. And I've been saying it for years. We've just got to market these players better mm. because they feel more like entities rather than personalities. And I would like the personality to overshadow the entity. Like as great as Mike Trout is, I feel like I don't know him as yeah. a personality. Clayton Kershaw too. I mean, we get to see him a little more firsthand because he's obviously on the team, but I think nationally speaking, maybe a lot of people don't know the personality of Clayton mm -hmm. Kershaw. No, that's a, that's a great point. And you know what? I know a lot of people may have mixed feelings about Yasiel Puig, but he was actually good for baseball. He was not only just good for the Dodgers and, you know, we could talk about the, the disappointment. I think we all felt because at one point in time, this guy was supposed to be a pillar for this organization for years. And it really bottomed out rather quickly uh, after that 2018, 2019 season. So uh, I would like to see, yeah, more of these personalities. I would like to see, you know, commissioner Manfred who has not done a lot of great things, especially when it's come down to punishment and, and lack of marketing. If you want to grow this game, it can't just be about, like you said, treating them like entities, put them out there front and center, encourage them to do more media, encourage them to be on more shows, encourage them to, to be like themselves. But I think the problem is there's still this such an old mentality when it comes to baseball, these unwritten rules and things like that. And it, and it kind of, stunts these guys and almost silences them in a way where it's like, now I can't really be who I want to be because I'm in front of mixed company over here. Like that's BS. It's a new day. Go be who you are. If nothing else, it'll generate clicks and views in some aspect. Yeah, totally. Cubby Duke Ford asking is James Outman on the roster? 
I assume this uh, this listener is referring to like opening day. Can James Alvin make the opening day roster? And why not? Should have had a lot more at bats last season. I was kind of furious to be honest because even though I understood the Joey Gallo acquisition, did not work out. He was a waste of at-bats. You know who they could have given those at-bats to? A player who was just on fire in the minors, like James Altman. So Mm. now you got to carry that over to this season, which is essentially going to be his real rookie season because he only had 10 at-bats or whatever at the major league level, so not a lot of experience Mm. there. But One of my bold takes that I just put on Twitter the other night is that if they're going to give him the opportunity and give him enough at-bats, I think he's going to hit at least 20 home runs this upcoming season. For some reason, he's not high up there in the prospect rankings. I think he's like 27th on the Dodgers for whatever reason, mm-hmm. which I don't really understand how that connects because all we've seen in the minors is him do nothing but produce, both offensively and defensively. And the Dodgers at this very day don't really have a center fielder. You mentioned Chris Taylor earlier in the episode. I would not trust Chris Taylor as the everyday center fielder. His defense has really declined at that position. Mm-hmm. He's more of a corner outfielder at this point. You, you really need to have a good defender in center field, especially if you're a good team and Taylor hasn't really been that. And then I know Trace Thompson is the other option, but let's be real. He's been a journeyman his entire career. And yeah, he showed some great flashes last season, but September, October really started to regress. He had like a 50% strikeout rate. Wasn't really effective in the postseason. defensively. He can bring it, but I'm not really sure what to make of Trace Thompson for this upcoming season. So Another guy like Michael Bush, who I would like to see get some major league at bats as well. Not really sure where he's going to fit on this roster, which is probably something we'll have to explore later during spring training. But he might have to be another guy to learn some outfield. Otherwise, I don't, I'm not entirely sure where he fits into this equation. Yeah, I think Outman will definitely have the opportunity, depending on how he does in the spring. Uh, there will be more eyeballs on him. I don't think now this is a guy that could just kind of slip in under the radar. They're going to be saying, Hey, you've got a golden opportunity here to, you know, make a name for yourself as, as a center fielder, much like Jock Peterson did years ago. And then when they moved Bellinger from first base to the outfield, uh, he, he eventually took over that, that position. So I would like to see Outman as a center fielder. The thing is about Chris Taylor though, and this is where I disagree. Chris Taylor didn't really decline out there in center field. He was just asked to play more of left field because Bellinger had that position on lock, stock, and barrel. Go back to when it was the windiest day in the history of Southern California. I believe it was in game three of the NLDS in 21 against San Francisco. With all that wind going on and Bellinger not starting in center, he was out there as a vacuum, chasing down those fly balls and everything like that. So I think Taylor is a better is probably going to be more uh, uh, likely starting in left field more so than center, especially if Outman pans out and explodes during spring training. However, don't, don't say that Taylor's declined at center field defensively. You could say, you could say that he's needed more in left or Outman has a position, you know, they, they want to feature him more at that position. And you could even knock Taylor's offense. Just don't knock his defense in, in the outfield because he's still a guy that could track down fly balls with the best of them. On paper, though, he has declined. In 2017, he was really a plus defender in that position. And yes, you got to give him credit for the good, but you also got to knock him for the bad. What was he starting center field, center field in the World Series Game 4? What was that throw to Will Smith? That was a late game substitute. That was a late game substitution. He didn't start the whole game there. Yes, he screwed that up. I will I will give you credit for that, but that was a late game substitution, Kev. Context matters, bro. 
I don't know. I, <laughs> I I don't know if I don't know if substitutions matter when you're playing defense. Yeah, it does because the ball finds you, and if you're if you're not ready for it or or you misplay something, then yeah, it's it's going to come back and bite you. I mean, that's just that's just how it is. So yeah, I I will give you that, but there is some context. It's not like he was starting the whole game there in center and just you know misplayed a a, a line drive like that. So Fair I enough. think. I think though, okay, let's get off Chris Taylor back to Outman. This is going to be his year for him and Vargas in particular, those two, because we saw flashes of what they could do and the struggles that they had, give them the larger sample size, give them a more everyday type role. And that'll be the major test of what these guys are able to do. Are they going to be closer to what Seeger and Bellinger were when they first burst on the scene or closer to what we saw in Gavin Lux, where it's just sort of average at times, maybe slightly above or enough where we see this guy could be something, but we don't really know what, what it is yet. So it's going to be interesting, but more will be asked of those guys this year. Like you said, absolutely. This is going to be shades of 2019 where we see a lot of rookie involvement and I'm, I'm here for it. I think it's about time. So I'm really looking forward to it. Follow-up question from Cubby. Who's going to be the closer for the Dodgers this upcoming season? I don't even know if there's an answer. I don't even know if the Dodgers know that answer yet. I think right now we I, we could name who's going to be in the pen, right, in those high leverage situations. Almonte, Gratterall, Phillips, Vesia, Hudson, Ferguson, and I think Shelby Miller could be a oh, low-key yeah. low key weapon. I don't know what kind of weapon, but he'll definitely be a weapon. I, it wouldn't surprise me if Shelby Miller tries to pull a Daniel Hudson, a once highly touted starter, now it's, ironically enough from Arizona, now turned into a weapon out of the bullpen. Hopefully he's made that transition. That remains to be seen. Out of all of those guys, though, I've been saying this for the last few years, Gratterall has closer stuff. He's got the 102-mile-an-hour fastball. All he needs is more movement on it, and if he could get somebody out with another pitch, like a changeup or something like that, he could be Gagne, 2004 Eric Gagne. But that being said, since he can't be trusted at times to not only stay healthy, but be effective for long period, you know, a, a long period of time, I think the safe choice would be Daniel Hudson. Okay. For now. Yeah. Um, I, I'm glad you brought up Gratterall because I think the Dodgers, when they had acquired him initially, were hoping he would develop into the closer. And without a doubt, his poise and attitude is closer stuff. Exactly. But the, but the pitch stuff itself isn't closer stuff. Oftentimes his fastball is going 102, but it's flat, and that's just not going to get it done, especially if the hitter knows what's coming. Mm-hmm. But this could be this could be his make or break season. Another guy that tends to just get injured, dealing with elbow issues. So I'm curious to see how he looks. But I'm going to disagree with you. And though I do think Daniel Hudson is going to close out some games, I think the closer has to be if if they're not going to do a committee, because ideally I would like a committee. But they say we need a dedicated closer. Then you got to go with Evan Phillips. Evan Phillips was the best reliever for the Dodgers all of last season. He had a 114 ERA and 63 innings pitched. And naturally speaking, towards the end of the season, he essentially became the Dodgers closer. Now, the counter to that is that you're going to want a guy to be your fireman. But they have Daniel Hudson. so Or Almonte. Almonte could be the – so basically you promote Phillips and you promote Almonte to now take over Phillips' job. And Phillips takes over what I guess would be Kimbrell's job. Old job, I should say. Exactly. Yeah. So 
Hudson's going to close out some games. Almonte might close out some games, but I think your best reliever is Evan Phillips, and he's still under contract for a long time. Mm-hmm. Daniel Hudson's 36, coming off that knee injury. I think he's going to be fine, but I really did like him in the role he was last season, which was basically the eighth inning guy. Yeah, I think you promote Evan Phillips and make him your closer because he's here to stay. He's young, and he has one of the filthiest sliders in baseball, and MLB ranked him the fourth best reliever in the entire sport. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think, I think you've got about three or four reasonable options, not just options that are far-fetched, but I think Almonte, he's got the mentality and he's got the stuff. Gratterall's definitely got the mentality stuff needs to be worked on. Hudson's got the proven track record and Phillips is the hottest guy because on the heels of what he did last year, that being said, this is why we have spring training. Who, who wants these jobs? Basically next man up who wants it. There it is. Not to mention, you still got Vesia. Like I mentioned, Shelby Miller, Victor Gonzalez, hopefully is healthy. You got Ferguson. You're going to have guys. And then the four or five guys that, w- that we mentioned at the beginning of the show, Suero, Yamamoto, Covey, Sierra, you know, Gowdy. What, what can these guys do? You know what I mean? So the, what, the yeah. one good thing about the Dodgers is it's a very mercurial fluid situation. And it's going to be based on what have you done for me lately? Who's hot? Who's not? Just like the old website, hotornot.com. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, speaking of Shelby Miller, reminds me a lot of Jimmy Nelson, a guy that was a legit proven starter. Mm-hmm. Injuries, yeah, kind of had to re- had to refurbish himself until he blew out his elbow. This was better than I had expected. It was like one of the best high leverage arms in not just the Dodgers but all of baseball. So mm-hmm. I think his loss was more felt than maybe we initially thought, just because right. the Dodgers bullpen was deep, anyways. But yeah, Shelby Miller could be that guy. Oh, for sure. Yeah. I'm, I'm really just, if you're, I just have one question for him. Is he healthy and what do you plan on using him for? And that's not a question for Dave Roberts. That's a question for Bard and Mark Pryor, because obviously they're, they're going to be the guys working with him. So there's a lot to be excited about with this team. And to be honest, Kev, I, I, I this is the component nobody's talking about. I like the fact they're not going to be championship or bust this year where it's like they're the number one team in baseball i really hated hearing about them being overhyped i like the fact that they got humbled last year it's taken me a while to come to this conclusion maybe some good can come out of that out of that first round whooping from the san diego padres i i really hope that's going to light a fire under all of these guys veterans and young guys alike and for dave roberts to basically say I don't care how many games you win. All that matters is, are we playing our best baseball going into October? And who wants that pressure? Who wants it? Philadelphia wanted it. Padres wanted it. Uh, Houston wanted it. And they ultimately won out. So that's going to be the interesting thing going into next year. All right. Well, that's pretty much everything that I wanted to cover, minus a couple things I'm saving for the end on purpose. So Chris, as the guest, I wanted to ask you if there's anything else in particular you wanted to highlight or touch upon real quick. doesn't even have to be Dodgers. Oh man. That's a good one. Did you like my tweet the other night where uh, Darvin ham after a Laker loss at the hands of the LA Clippers referenced an analytics team. And I quote tweeted one of the journalists that put out that exact quote from ham. And I said, I didn't know Dave Roberts coached the LA Lakers. (laughs) That's a good one. I don't know. I haven't really been too impressed with ham yet. Okay. No, but that, that wasn't the question. The question is, did you like my quote? Oh, no, I, yeah, thought, I, I said I, thought I, of... I did like it. Yeah, I, <laughs> I said I liked it. 
<laughs> yeah, no, it was, it was good. No, outside of that, man, uh, I guess, I guess uh, in all seriousness, a, a serious question to you is where would you stack the Dodgers as far as national league teams, not all of baseball, just national league teams. What would you rank them going into the 23 season? All right. Well, we're getting a little early here, but early power rankings right now, I'm thinking Atlanta Braves might be the best in the NL. Mm-hmm. And then I hate to say it, but the Padres might be second, but that's a paper team right now. They have to go out there and prove it, but just on paper. And so then the Dodgers would fall to third for me. Yeah. Yeah. I, I would say third or fourth. I would throw the Mets in there, maybe the Phillies because they, they did address a lot of their needs, but like you said, it's, it's still on paper and Phillies kind of, they, they did well during the regular season and they overperformed in October. So we'll see how they can do in a full in four months without Bryce Harper. Cause I think Bryce isn't due back until July or August coming off the Tommy John. So that's going to be the, the big question. Can they sustain even with Trey Turner and some of these other guys for that long, but I would say third or fourth in the national league, which is fine with me. Yeah. All right. I'm calling out bill Plunkett. So if you're a listener of the show, I'm not going to at him, but please at him for me if you would like so that he hears this. We went back and forth the other day because he called the Dodgers frugal and he's not the only one to do this. So I'm not just going to call out Bill, but I'm calling him out in this instant. I'm sick of all the people out there saying that the Dodgers are being cheap this offseason because what is their payroll out right now? 233 million, 232. We don't really know, Mm -hmm. but I think at this point we can fully understand they did go over the luxury tax threshold. I don't think there's any way around it. And this is why the Dodgers aren't being cheap. First of all, that's a high payroll at the end of the day. Second of all, who did they get rid of? That wasn't a free agent just as a pure salary dump. Nobody. They brought back everyone. We're not seeing them get rid of the Chris Taylors, the Clayton Kersh- oh, Kershaw, they resigned, but they didn't get rid of uh, Max Muncy. Yeah. yeah. It's the guys that are making 10 plus million. They're all there. Second of all, let's look at who they actually let walk. Trey Turner got $300 million. No way in hell were the Dodgers going to give him that money. As talented of, his, of a ball player as he is, he just didn't give it to them defensively, and he was already a bit on the decline with the stolen bases. The Dodgers knew that he was going to chase the money, and I think everyone came to accept that. Yes, they let Justin Turner go, but let's be real. Personality-wise, you can't replace him. But on the field, I think they upgraded by adding J.D. Martinez, Mm. essentially a salary swap. Then you look at the likes of Tyler Anderson and Andrew Heaney, who they both let let walk in free agency. Tyler Anderson was an all-star, but they signed the exact same annual contract with Noah Syndergaard, $13 to $13 So maybe they're viewing Tyler Anderson as someone that might decline with the shift going away. And they're just going with the strikeout guy, which is what Syndergaard typically is. So we got to see that one play out. Andrew Heaney, I was the biggest Heaney fan out there, but they got Pepio, they got Stone, they got Miller, and Heaney was hurt a lot. So Mm -hmm. I think they were okay with letting him walk. Then there was a guy like Joey Gallo, who we brought up earlier. No way in hell are they going to pay him $11 because he didn't do shit for the Dodgers. (laughs) Then there was Tommy Canely, who barely pitched for the Dodgers. It was good, but he barely pitched, so he was replaceable. Chris Martin actually was someone that I would have liked them to resign, but I understand it. He's old. Relievers like him can be very volatile. We probably got the best we could get out of Martin. So sayonara. They got new guys that we already talked about to kick off the show. And then I don't know if I'm really missing anyone, but 
Cody Bellinger was a goner. He just didn't live up to the contract, so they had to let him go. And yeah, Hanser Alberto, we don't care about him. So I think <laughs> well, that, I think I covered everyone. Yeah, no, you did. Um, you know, I, I agree with a lot of what you said. I mean, a lot of these guys either you, you were going to let them go because of not being productive or let them go because they were going to command not just the money, but the years. That's always the thing. And, you know, I can't blame these guys for wanting to parlay a very good second half of the season or whatever it was, or a very good season period in the case of Tyler Anderson and Morgan and, and parlaying that into a two-year deal somewhere where they get a little bit more of that security. In Anderson's case, he gets three years from the angels. He stays in Southern California. He doesn't have to uproot his family again. So it made sense. And he could have a more prominent role uh, with that team because I'm not sure if the Dodgers would have had another spot in their rotation had they brought him back, considering you've got Udias, Kershaw, May, Gonsolin, et cetera. So now it's a chance for him. You know you're likely going to be a starter in that angel rotation that, once again, outside of uh, Otani and maybe Patrick Sandoval, maybe Reed Detmers, there's there's not a lot there where you, you have to like, oh, man, I got to go up against him. No, it's like, okay, it's Otani. Hell, I could be the number two guy if I show out. Who knows? So... Uh, I, I don't blame the Dodgers for not re-signing a lot of these guys, to be quite yeah. honest, especially losing in the fashion that they, they, that they did, Kevin, that uh, division yeah. round against San Diego. No doubt about it. And, I mean, they brought back Kershaw. They gave him $20 million, no hesitation. Um, but I'm just going to continue here with the guys that they didn't sign that were big-name free agents, such as the Jacob deGroms. They weren't going to pay Jacob DeGrom the money that he got. Just no way. Justin Verlander talked about him a little bit earlier in the offseason. Just didn't work out. Too much money. Carlos Correa had to find his third team to get the money that he got. And even that was still an overpay, in my opinion. Xander Bogarts, who Chris mentioned as a bust. Dodgers were linked to him early in the offseason. No way were we going to give him 11 years, $280 million. Would have liked Swanson, but I think the Cubs just had the edge, given that his wife had the Chicago link. Mm -hmm. So that just didn't work out. And I think the Dodgers are comfortable with Gavin Lux and Miguel Rojas anyways, who, by the way, we talked about Jose Iglesias like a month ago. Miguel Rojas was the right move because he actually kind of a similar bat, but he gives you the defense. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I was just saying for a guy that was coming off a halfway decent season, he's always, you know, he knows the position. I was looking at a guy like Rojas, but I wasn't sure that who's going to be available. And if the Dodgers were willing to trade somebody like Jacob Amaya, who we had been hearing was a somebody in the pipeline to get somebody like that. I mean, remember they traded Clayton Beater, uh, who was coming off a rough year in the minors to get Joey Gallo. So, you know, I, I wasn't sure how many of these uh, minor leaguers they were actually comfortable dealing in order for a short-term solution at a certain position. But I think that to be quite honest, the Dodgers went similar to what the Yankees did kind Falefa to kind of be that bridge before guys like Peraza yep. and Oswaldo Cabrera, uh, you know, before they can kind of take over that second and shortstop position. So, yeah. And then of course, Aaron judge, the Yankees, it just wasn't going to happen. And it's a lot of money. The Dodgers weren't going to pay 360 million or whatever for nine years. Just yeah. wasn't going to happen. So the Dodgers are spending smart and they're remaining competitive, but they're spending wisely. And I think, this is the Otani factor, which I don't want to make this whole season about Otani. So I'm just going to leave it at that. But in a year from now, they're going to go all in on Otani. So I'll leave it at that. I agree. Right. I agree. Yeah. All right. My final thoughts, because I'm a little angry about this. <laughs> Former Dodger Hall of Fame just came out 
a couple of days ago. Scott Rowland got in, well-deserved in my opinion, great player. But I am a little disappointed that only one player got in when the likes of Jeff Kent did not get elected to the Hall of Fame. How the hell is a guy who is arguably the best offensive second baseman of all time not in the Baseball Hall of Fame? Because he probably hurt your feelings a few years ago. <laughs> 377 career home runs, 290 career at ba- career batting average, 356 on base, won an MVP for crying out loud. Even in his final years with the Dodgers, he was still hitting close to 300 with a high on base. All he did from start to finish was produce. He was on a lot of good competitive teams. And I don't even understand how he was behind players like Billy Wagner for Hall of Fame votes. Yeah. Like when you were watching Kent in his heyday, this was a superstar. Everybody knew who Jeff Kent was, and he was viewed almost annually as the best second baseman in the sport. So this is just outrageous. And I'm with Jeff Kent. I'm absolutely furious that I didn't even get that. He didn't even get like the consideration. This is one of the biggest hall of fame snubs of all time. I agree with you. Uh, I thought there were, you know, Scott Rowland is a solid ball player. I thought this was, you know, I think Rob Parker said it best hall of very good. When you look at all those names on the ballots, because, you know, I was voting for it. I'm part of a IBWAA, you know, internet baseball writers association of America. Um, and I, I was looking at some of those names. I'm like, there's a lot of good ball players on here, right? Bobby Abreu, Gary Sheffield, Lance Berkman, Jeff Kent, Billy Wagner, I still think is, you can make the argument at top 10, top 15 closer all time. I mean, the amount of longevity that he had, but I agree with you. I think Jeff Kent definitely deserved to be in there. There is life after death for Kent. He could probably get in through the, uh, the committee. I forgot the name of it, but uh, he, he can get in, even though this was the final year of his, of his ballot. And hopefully that committee will put him in similar to Fred McGriff, right? Yep. McGriff got in. Uh, so hopefully they could see that and put him in, but you know, sometimes though, uh, you pointed out something interesting. Sometimes there aren't those big name free agents that you want to sign in this particular case, when it comes to hall of fame voting, sometimes there isn't that, you know, no doubt about it. Show stopping vote where it's like, Oh, this is an automatic. Sometimes it's not there. So it's okay. If you don't vote anybody in, I understand it's a whole song and dance. It's a big ceremony. It's a solemn occasion. It's, it's great for everyone to come together, but you don't, you shouldn't have to vote someone in just because it's like, we have to vote somebody in. It shouldn't have to be like that. And let these guys earn earn their dues and pay their dues and everything like that. And if you were going to vote one guy in, that one guy should have been Jeff Kent. And maybe Scott Rowland gets in next year. But I was definitely disappointed that Kent wasn't in, along with Billy Wagner. Even Gary Sheffield, what do you hit, 500 career home runs or something like that? He doesn't get in? Uh, World Series champion? Uh, oh, Mike D'Antoni said, I, I would have probably put him in there. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, next year will be another big year for a former Dodger with Adrian Beltre being eligible. Should be a first ballot Hall of Famer. Definitely. So Andre Ethier was on the ballot. I don't think he got a single vote. Once again, Hall of Very Good. Hall of Very Good, (laughs) Kev. Well, he he wasn't a Hall of Famer anyways, but I I, I miss (laughs) Ethier. Yeah, fan favorite. All right. Hall of Fan Favorites. You could put him in there. That's all I got. If there's any final words, Chris, I'll leave it to you. All right, cool. So no, guys, th- I just want to say thank you for having me on. <laughs> thank you, Chris, as well. Again, follow him on Twitter at Chris Camello. His handle will be in the description below. But with that, we got to sign off. So thank you guys so much for listening to this week's episode of the Incline Dodgers podcast. 
And make sure to subscribe and follow us wherever you listen because we need your reviews. We need your follows. Help us boost the climb, boost us in the climb for the charts. Uh, with that being said, see you in February, everybody. Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done.